This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 848 with the Fight Disciples. This is your MMA review from the weekend just gone. What a weekend it was. Anaheim, California, the destination for UFC 298. We'll get stuck into all that in a minute. Before we do, though, please subscribe to us. You can get your audio feeds via our website, fightdisciples.com. If you're on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, it's all there for you. Just hit the button. Don't just keep nipping in and out when we do a big one, all right? Come back week after week. There's plenty of conversation to have in and around the world of MMA, and we want you to be part of it. So subscribe to us. If you want to watch this stuff, you can do via our YouTube channel, Fight Disciples, and we're trying to grow on YouTube. So if you already have an audio subscription, which is completely free, do the exact same thing on YouTube, please. You might not even use it. You might not even want to look at us, but what it'll do is help other people become aware of us. Like somebody messaged me yesterday going, when did you get your own channel? What do you mean? They've been watching us doing TNT Sports and various other bits, covering the the UFC for the last five years. And they go, I didn't know you had your own channel. Well, you do now, Sunshine. This this came before that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so please um, subscribe to the guys on uh, YouTube by Fight Disciples. All right, simple as that. Have you calmed down? Have you calmed down from the weekend shenanigans? No, I've ramped up my Duolingo Spanish. I'm now doing an hour a day instead of 10 minutes a day. Ready to get out there to the Santiago Bernabal this summer. Nice. He was magnificent, mate. Magnificent. You know, and not to blow my own trumpet or our trumpet, we kind of saw this coming. We said, listen, man, this guy is serious. And I did next picks on Friday. And I'd, I've gone back and forwards all week, to be totally honest with you. And, I was, you know, every time I seen Vulcan, heard from Vulcan, I'd go that way and then... I would see Tafuria the way he's carrying himself, and I'd be like, nah, man, I've got to stick to what I believed when Tafuria was on the rise before this opportunity come along, that this guy is ready. And for all that, listen, all the tattoos the same as Connor, snatching the belt the same as Connor, the confidence of Connor. Sound, man, you fake it till you make it. But this kid isn't just a Connor McGregor tribute act. This kid is part of the new generation of fighters inspired by Conor McGregor? Absolutely. But run with it their own fucking way and doing it their own. You better believe it, man. This guy is quality, quality. And I, I think he'll be champion for an awful long time. It's mad that we're like, oh, he's just beat Volk, the greatest featherweight of all time. When Max Holloway beat Jose Aldo, he was the greatest featherweight of all time. And prior to that, Jose was the greatest featherweight of all time prior to Conor McGregor. We're always so quick to crown the greatest of all time. When this guy's just started, it's like, well, Tapora could be the greatest of all time. Just let him be a little Tapora. Because I tell you what, we're going on a journey with him, man. And this kid is going to bring us to at least one, maybe even two nations, Georgia and Spain. Let's fucking go. Yeah. He's a special athlete, mate. Not just necessarily what he's doing inside the octagon, which is super impressive and the manner that he's doing it. I just... I just like the energy, everything around him. And yeah, there is never going to be another Conor McGregor. Let's say, let's, say, let's all just settle on that, right? And there should there be. There don't need to be. There's only one. But as you pointed out yesterday when we did the TNT show, and obviously you just pointed it out now, there are there's a group of athletes now coming through that are obviously inspired by what Conor McGregor did. 2015 through 2016, that 18-month run of I'll take anybody anytime, backing up his chat with, delivering sensational performances, stopping Jose Aldo in 13 seconds, all this craziness, 
It's never going to be repeated, but they were all inspired. We were all inspired. This podcast is inspired by that moment. You sit there and you go, mate, there's something mad happening. We have to do something. We have to create something. And we, obviously, this is where we're at right now. Conor McGregor, as I've said on many, many occasions, might not be the greatest of all time. He might not be the best martial artist to ever step foot, but he's the most important. The most important athlete to ever step foot inside that octagon, not necessarily just for the business and the boom, but what that did does for fan bases and what that does for future generations of fighters. And we're seeing it now with Tapuria. Tapuria is absolutely inspired by uh, by Conor McGregor. The similarities we've talked about the stats, made plenty of videos on it last week. You all know about him being 27 years of age, like he was when he fought Jose Aldo, six and zero in the UFC, 14 fight win streak. Taking on a guy that was the featherweight king for four years plus, all those similarities, and then going out and just showing the confidence Mm -hmm. to carry himself the way that he carried himself throughout the whole course of the week. Never wavered once. There was never a chink in the armory. When people are mimicking something, it's, it's not because it's not necessarily their own thought. You can see the chink in the armor. This kid isn't mimicking it. This kid's living it. He's lived it. Yes, he's watched Connor. Yes, he's listened to Connor. Yes, he's been inspired by. But this is who he is. It's it's a natural way of being. Rolls deep with a big crew, doesn't he? 30-odd people around the hotel. His brother's part of that team, who I believe now has just signed for the UFC. It's mm-hmm. a big movement. And when you are carrying the weight of a nation, which he is, and I know you've mentioned two nations there, but I'm going to talk predominantly Spanish. When you're on social media on the Friday and you've got Rafael Nadal, Sergio Ramos, you know, all yeah. these fantastic just, yeah. Sp- Spanish athletes like that have been Olympic gold medalists, Champions League winners, Grand Slam winners in tennis. They're all, all in on him. He's all... When you are knocking about and people know you at that level, there's a thing, there's a vibe, there's an aura. You're already the guy, man. You're already mm. the guy. You just haven't been crowned yet. Yeah. And that, and that is the aura that Ilya Tapura was giving off all week. Very difficult, I get it, for every single fight fan who has been on the journey with Volk. Because he is the, he's that guy. Yeah. Volk was that guy. If you remember, and I'm going to blow my own and toot my own horn here, when Volk fought Max Holloway in December 2019, there was a there was a, obviously a surge, a rise. He'd already beaten Jose Aldo, but you, you're fighting Max Holloway. And yeah. I remember there were me, you, and Dan Hardy did that show for BT Sport, and we were at the Red Rock in, in Las Vegas, if you remember. Great card because I think it's the one where Amanda Nunes was on there. I think it might even be the first time that uh, Colby and Usman were on that card as well. Uh, but it was Volk uh, against Max. And I remember being convinced that Max Holloway was amazing and he's the guy and he's just going through everybody like a dose of salt. I remember Volkanovski walking into the room to do uh, the sit-down interview, right? And I remember him walking in. Do you want to get rid of your dog, mate? He's interrupting our program. Get out. Do you want to to move him on? Sorry. Tell you. Go on, dog. Jeez. Tell you what. I'm just in the I'm just in the middle of uh, nailing a very important point here. Sorry, Mr. <laughs> into the garden and come to harass me. 
<laughs> Go on, pal. You're making a very interesting point here. We're at the Red Rocks. In walks Volkanovski. Title shot around the corner. He's the underdog going against Max Holloway, the new greatest featherweight of all time. Boom. Yeah. What did you see? I, the, it was the feeling. You get a feeling. The guy is small. Everything was against him. Size, stature, who've you beat, all this, all these types of things. He walks in on the room. He had a he had a glow about him. And when he walked out, I remember saying to you and Dan, I just went, that dude's gonna win at the weekend. And I know it's easy to do it in the moment because you've just been there 10 seconds, 15 seconds, or whatever. Yeah. But then again, throughout the whole course of the week, just the way that he spoke, the way that he carried himself, the way that you see him when the camera isn't on. You just think you're special, mate. There's some there's something happening. We've been lucky to be around Ilya Tapura on fight weeks. It's not yeah. a fake, it's not an act. He's not just turning up and doing the camera. Bang, 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 bang. For example, with all due respect to Colby Covington. Colby Covington turns up, does the camera, then you see him off camera and he's sound as fuck, mate. You go, yeah, all right. But then he goes on camera, he says some mad shit and 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 becomes this character. Ilya Tapura is not a character. That is who he is. He he's walking the walk, and at the weekend he proved it by He's talking the talk at the weekend. He, he proved it at the weekend by walking the walk. It's the real deal. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason you get that level of confidence is that you've ticked every box, that you've, you're competent and not even competent, advanced in every area. That's the only reason you, you, you can afford that kind of confidence. I think with Connor, there was always an element of like the confidence comes first. I'll create such a big spotlight bubble that you won't be able to live with it. You'll panic, you'll make a mistake. And I've got this big left hand that will iron you out. But with Connor, there was always an elephant in the room. And that was that this guy's a superstar and he's doing things. He's generating eyeballs like never before. But the element in the room is that there's a little hole in his game. And it's about exposing that hole and taking advantage of it. This generation of, of youngsters, and uh, you throw in Gary in there as well, maybe even Sean O'Malley, that were inspired by Connor's rise and have picked, taken a little bit of the good stuff from Connor, the confidence, the tattoos, the carrying yourself, the showmanship. But then they backed it up by 10, 15 years on the mats of work, of ticking every box. Ilya Tapora can afford to be that confident because he doesn't care if Volk takes him down. He doesn't care if it becomes a jiu-jitsu match. doesn't care if it's a boxing match. He's competent in every area. He's as dangerous off his back as he is walking towards you with his fists under his chin. That's the new generation. That's why there was conversation at the weekend. We spoke about it yesterday with Bispin to say this is another chapter in this history of the sport. Turn that page. This is the notorious generation. Kids, young fighters inspired by the rise of the most successful athlete we've ever had in this sport but then bringing a whole new level of skill set to it as well. Like we thought Connors, we talk all the time about, oh, sport's just not the same without Connor. Doesn't bring the same amount of eyeballs. Doesn't bring the same. We could have four or five versions of Connor. No one will ever be Connor, but four or five versions. Ilya Tapora is going to connect with the Spanish and the Georgians better than Connor McGregor ever did. And Ian Gary is going to come through and he, he will get through this storm of, of fan tirade that he's going through at the moment because he's got the talent. Once he starts icing people, he'll win people back over. And you know what? Take him back to Dublin, let him main event a UFC in Dublin. Watch how many people boom then. Absolutely zero. He'll get an absolute king's homecoming. And so he should. There's so much talent with these guys. This sport's only 30 years old. 30 years. Imagine football 30 years in going, well, there'll never be a better footballer than him. 
<laughs> Hell, Ronaldo's not even a, a floating around in his arm man's ball sack yet. That's fucking 50 years away. Wait until we get him. I'm talking about our fucking the proper Ronaldo, by the way. Or Maradona. Like we we in, they're not even on the scale yet. So imagine where the sport's gonna be in when the next generation, the the ten year olds in Spain now that are all in the playground at lunchtime in school, all pretending to be Ilya Tapora, all walking forward, going right down. Oh, I'm Ilya Tapora. I'm going to be Ilya Tapora. Imagine what that generation's going to look like in the next generation. That's why this sport's more exciting than any other sport on the planet because it's moving so fast. It's improving with every single year. The talent level is going through the roof, and the star power is exploding as well. Like. Support at the weekend. Once the fights, we talked about it last week and we said, first round's so important. How's the first round going to go? And in the first round, I'm watching the first round and I'm like, okay, Vogue's mixed it up lovely. Got the kicks going, really strong kicking game. Absolutely makes sense. But look at Tapora. Tapora went ding, ding, round one. See that octagon painted inside the full octagon? That belongs to me. And he spent the entire fight, all seven and a half minutes, inside that inner octagon. He never left it. He never went up against the fence. He never went backwards. He commanded that inner octagon like a champion. Like, I'm getting you. At some point, I'm going to lay hands on you and you won't survive. And he had that confidence in his own. Didn't get, didn't, didn't rush it. Didn't panic when Volk threw a head kick or whatever. Cool, calm, collected. Wasn't even out of breath. And then when the finish came, because he landed the right hand on Vogue, I think it was in the first round or early in the second, and Vogue kind of went unsteady legs. And it was kind of like he went, boom, here we go. I knew it get you. He said he was a level above. He said, I'm better than Vogue everywhere. And his performance was exactly that. He looked better. There. He looked like a man that you bring nothing to the table that I can't handle, deal with, and get rid of. It was brilliant. Yeah, sty stylistically, he was so patient. Um, Volk, I actually thought looked tentative. Yeah. I thought that he looked, he looked obviously, you're coming off the back of a loss and a knockout loss to Makachev. So, therefore, in the back of your head, you're thinking, right, I can be stopped. Yeah. Okay, it's 155. I'm down at 145. You try and convince yourself, you get in there. And I actually thought Volk was biting on every feint. And I thought that he was very back foot, tip tap, tip tap, tip tap, tip, get out, just get out the way, get out the way. Um, he, he probably won round number one, default, based on that, based on volume. Yeah. But the guy controlling the dance was Ilya Tapuri. And he was basically walking Volk into a trap of which was set in round number two. The minute, Look at what happened. The minute, the minute, for the first time in, what were it, seven minutes, eight minutes, whatever long, however long this lasted, the first time Volkanovski's back touched the fence, bang, it was over. That's what he wanted to do. He just wanted... Volk knew as well, I can't be back against the fence with this dude. I need angles to be able to get out of the way of what he's going to throw my way. Yeah. And the minute his back touched the fence, Topuria detonated. And he detonated. He didn't just wing. He detonated in, in with real quality. It, yeah. That is high... High-level boxing. I had boxers texting me and DMing me over the, over the weekend saying he is the best boxer, MMA boxer, I've yeah. seen. We're mm -hmm. talking pros, sending me messages going, mate, what he did, that setup, 
the way that he detonates it, that is high level. Yeah, that's how good that fella is. And he did it in four itself. ounce gloves, mate. Yeah, exactly. So when when he throws those hands, backs Volk up against the fence, and then for the first time he leaves that inner octagon to get the finish. Steps in, throws a one-two, and neither of them connect. And Volk's kind of rolling over the shots, but his back's against the fence. It's got nowhere to go. And then the finish itself, if you watch the replay, and I've watched it many times now, it's a one-two combination that finishes that that lands the right hook, which obviously detonates the fight. But the the left isn't a jab. The left is a frame up. He pushes Volk's head up to connect clean with the right hook. But there's an added move in there as well. As he frames up, he takes a sidestep to the right. So he throws a combination and Volk rolls under it. One, two. Volk rolls under it. Then he takes a side, a little tiny sidestep to the right. So Volk, he was here. Now he's here. And then he yeah. pushes, he pushes Volk's head up. He's created the angle already. So Volk's hand trying to defend himself here. Well, Sapporo's not here no more. He's over there. Well, Volk's still up against the fence, rolling under shots. Zed gets framed up. Where is he? He's not there. No, he's coming from that angle instead. Bang, there's the right hand. It's the shot you don't see coming that does the damage. Volk doesn't see it coming. Clean on the chin, crumples him. And that's that's how you know someone's been knocked out properly. Legs completely go from underneath him. Drops him as Pispin said, like a deck chair. Sack of potatoes, straight down. It was... it. In that moment, it sounds mad now because 18 months ago, Volkanovski was pound for pound the best fighter on this planet. And the only reason he's not that, the only reason that's not his title anymore is that he dared to be great and he went in twice with Islam Makachev. Even after the first fight with Makachev, because it was so close, I was like, mate, I don't give a fuck. I've still got Volk at number one, pound for pound. Second fight, obviously, takes it late notice. There's a lot of reasons why he wasn't firing all cylinders that night. I get it. But when Islam ices him in the first round, you can't then go, well, Volk still, because he took it late. No, nah, man. Well, Islam is the man. Islam is pound for pound, which means Volk was number two. Islam Makachev never did this to Volkanovsky. Islam Makachev landed a fantastic high kick, and then he pounced on the moment. But he didn't stalk Volkanovsky. He didn't completely get in his head. I think you're right. I think Tapora was living up there rent-free. All the videos about being an old man and all that, brilliant. Trademark Volk, part of his legacy, part of the reason we absolutely adore him. But also a chink in the armor in terms of Tapora, whether it was true or not. I mean, when he when went to the media day and Volk turned up as the old man, pretending to be asleep, then he did a head-to-head and he walked in and Tapora, and Tapora said, you're already retiring. You know I'm next. You, look, you're dressed like an old man. You're retiring. So... Tapora took control of the situation by going, you're dressing like that because you're old, you're, you are an old man. You are retiring. I'm the new, I'm the next generation. I'm coming. And he took control, mentally took control of the situation. He's incredible. He's incredible. And the entourage thing, how many times have we talked about that on this show? When Tapora was in London, when he was fighting um, the Black Country banger himself when he had the the, the fracas with yeah, yeah. when he had the fracas with Paddy the Baddy and all kind. <clears throat> We've always talked about the fact that mate Tapora runs deep, man. Tapora's got an entourage. It's long before he was champion. He had thirty dudes around him going, "Yes, champ, you are the champ. You're the man." But guess what? All thirty of them. I've probably got jobs. On the boxing show, we talked about Oshaki Foster making a second defense of his world title, saying, huh, hmm, that weight cut was tough. Maybe I need to get a nutritionist. 
Vog, fucking um, Ilya Tapora has had a nutritionist probably since he before he fucking turned pro. That's about building a team around you to make you the UFC champion of the earth. That's what he's done. And that's why it was nice at the end when he got he had the family in and he had the red rose because they've made a, vi- a film about his rise and all that. Can't wait to see that. Looks like no expense spared. He's got that all entourage. There's loads of them in there getting photos and everything else. And then Tapora seemed to go, right, come on. The guys who have been part of it, there's about 15 dudes in there. About 15 dudes. Like, yeah, man, I played an active role in making this happen right now. And now we're talking about going to the Bernabeu. Now we're talking about 80,000, 90,000 fans. This was part of the plan. They had this plan the whole time. Um, I've made a video and I've put it up on our YouTube channel about... Um, very good. It's very good. Re- I watched it yesterday. You actually watched something I made? Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> the, the, uh, the reaction to, to Volkanovski. The point that I want to make, just taking away from that video and putting it in here and getting your thoughts on this. Um, what does Volkanovski do now? He went 12 straight in MMA taking out the who's who, defending world championship belts. And it really doesn't feel right. Being a Volkanovski fan, as we all are, everybody watching this is a Volkanovski fan. Of course you are. But it doesn't feel right that he's now one and three in his last four. The point that I'm making about the one and three is that it's all happened in 12 months. From February last year to February this year, he's now one and three. Yes, there's two step-ups. There's one classic in there with Islam Makachev. There's a great performance against Yaya Rodriguez, but there's two knockout losses on the spin, right? He needs a rest, mate. You know, he needs some He needs some proper time off. He consisted... I mean, he was even in the build-up to this. If I beat Tapuri, I'm going to be back in for 300. I know he's trying to maximise where he's at at 35 years of age. I get it. I completely get it. But it's not good for you. No. Not just physically, but mentally. He needs to go and swim in the ocean. He needs to go and get some sand in his toes. He needs to go and do a proper chill. Take yeah. a little bit of a leaf out of Israel Adesanya's book, you know? Go and travel the world yeah. a bit. Go and spend some of your dough. Go and enjoy it. And then see if the fire's still burning. See if it's still there. And if it is still there, I'm sure there's a place for him at 145, 155, maybe even higher. Because once upon a time, he used to be a big old rugby player, didn't he? <laughs> but tennis but take a break, man. Take a break because you're doing your own heading. Yeah, I, I think losing's a habit and getting knocked out's a habit. And even though that was an incredible finish, incredible right hand, you know, if if Max Holloway hit him with a clean right hand like that, does he go down? Maybe Tapora hits harder than Max Holloway. Maybe maybe I'm not giving Tapora the love he deserves, but he fought he 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 got taken apart there in in, in real style. Um and that's not good if you're Volkanovsky. And Volkanovsky needs to realise because we we all love Volk, we all love him. And if you've if you're a fan and you and you just love him from the outside, let me just break the fourth wall for you or whatever. We've been lucky enough to spend t- private time with him, away from cameras, just chatting with him, shooting the shit, sharing a coffee, whatever. He's even nicer a fella in real life. He's an absolute diamond, just a, one of the nicest fellas you'll ever meet. As is quite quite repetitive in the world of fight sports, which is why we love it so much. 99% of them are great, but Volk's an absolute superstar. Really, really brilliant fella. But Volk needs to remember that even though he'll say he was put on the earth to be a fighter, he's here to be a champion, he's here to be a fighter, he's also here to be a dad, man. He's also here to be a human being and a, and a, and a person living this earth and contributing to society in other ways. 
There's no shame putting the gloves down for a bit, even though when you're 35 and you may be like, you know what, I'm trying to maximize my output now, blah, blah, blah. You've got a beautiful young family there, man. You know, as you say, you've got loads of money in the bank now. Go and enjoy it. Let your family enjoy you. Go and be dad for a bit. You don't have to. Your world isn't just Volkanovsky, the fighter. In fact, that's a small portion of your world. The bigger world is Volk the dad, Volk the husband, Volk the son. Go and be that guy for a little bit and 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 see how we, and see how you enjoy it. Go and enjoy that lifestyle. Switch it off for a bit. Turn your turn your phone off to Hunter and Dana, and go and enjoy being Alex, Alexander Volkanovsky. Because one or two things will happen. One, you'll wake up one day, you'll be fucking platting one of the kids' hairs or whatever it might be that normal dads do, and he'll go, you know what? I achieved everything in my professional life that I set out to do. I'm more. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a social media retirement post away from going into the Hall of Fame. So, what else is there to do? There's nothing else to do. Or you'll wake up one day and you'll go. I'm going to gym tomorrow. I've got one last push in me. And a really but and, and regardless of how that conversation, only Volk can answer that question. Mm. Right now, the last thing I want to see is Volkanovski matched up again this year. I don't want to see it. I'm a fan. I don't want to see yeah. it. Well, we're in Feb. I'll take December. I need at least six months. Yeah. Before he even starts fucking about with your camp. Right. So if if they came, if he came back December or New York at the end of the year or whatever, mate. Cool, but six months minimum. The dude's been churning fights out every three to four months. So let's take a break, you know? If, okay, so the, the flip way of looking at it then, let's talk about, um, and we'll get on to what could be next. Well, you did a wicked video on what next, what could be next for Tapora, but just in terms of Volk, and the noise Volk was making was like, mate, I'll go to Spain. I deserve it. I'm the guy. And in a lot of ways, yeah, you know, Dana's trying to bill him as the greatest featherweight of all time. I still think, you know, we'll have got to go back to Jose Aldo for that one. But still, yeah. regardless, when we're talking about big fights and big opportunities, you know, Volk beat Max Holloway. And he had to do it a second time. And in fact, he had to do it a third time, right? The first two fights were pretty goddamn close. So there was a narrative there to go, did he win or didn't he win? Max has been the guy for a while, you know, maybe we need to do it again. So that's why he had to do, do those rematches. Likewise, you know, I was there the night Chris Weidman beat Anderson Silva. No one saw that coming. Everyone was like, you know, we were, I was around the bad boy team, Weidman team, all build up of that fight week. They were one of our sponsors of the magazine I was working at. Spent a lot of time with Chris, the whole team. Nobody outside of that room actually thought he was going to beat Anderson Silva. But inside that room, they had that conviction. They also said, we're going to have to beat him twice. The difference there was no one outside that room thought Weidman was going to win. Only they did. When they beat him, they went, yeah, man, let's do the rematch straight away. The difference here is a lot of people in the industry felt like this was Tapora's time. A lot of people felt this isn't good for Vol. Four months after getting knocked out by Islam, he's going to go in with a young killer like Tapora. The narrative is different. You know, mm -hmm. just because he's been a champion established at this way for a long time doesn't necessarily mean he should automatically get that rematch. Jose Aldo, undefeated in 10 years as a featherweight, the greatest featherweight. Runs into Conor McGregor's fist in 13 seconds. If ever there was a champion to go, wait, come on. Bloody hell, I made a stupid mistake in 13 seconds. I need an immediate rematch. But Conor's star power was so big, he left him in his trail. There might be an element here where Tapora's star power is potentially so big that we have to keep him moving forward. Yeah. I, I, 
I believe that Alexander Volkanovsky absolutely deserves it. I just don't want him to do it in that short period of time. I want him to take a break for his own good. Just pump it. Very similar to what Adesanya's doing, mate. Adesanya. Maybe there's a different argument with Adesanya because Adesanya's, you know, he lost to Pereira. He got the rematch with Pereira. Then he's lost again as an hitter, this time to Strickland. So you're now, you know, one and two in your last three. So there's an argument. Well, hang on a minute. You got your bounce back. You can't have another bounce back. You know what I mean? What we're going to do, just keep swapping. So, but Adesanya's taken, you know, he's pumped the brakes. He's cleared off. He's gone and enjoyed his life. And he seems to be back in the gym now, working towards maybe getting back in there at some point with Drikas Duplessis, which we're all looking forward to. And I want Volkanovski to do that. But Volkanovski's body of work at 145, even though, you know, he's lost his last two, one of them at 155. I think he is... I think he's deserving of it. I just think, take a break. Let somebody else have a dance. Like I said in that video yesterday, we've got, we're lucky that we've got a fight this weekend, haven't we? Mexico's the destination this weekend. You've got Ortega against Rodriguez. Big mm-hmm. pressure on the pair of them. Yeah, Go on then. Right. Because you've bought, because Yair, you've had uh, the opportunity to fight for a title. Brian, you've had the opportunity to fight for it twice and fallen short. Go on then. Show us what you're all about and, and show us that you are worthy of a shot at the title. Then you've also got to factor in Max Holloway. Now, I know Max is already matched up in April, but Max has beaten both of these guys that are mm-hmm. fighting this weekend. Max Holloway has only fallen short to Alexander Volkanovsky. Is Max Holloway? Should he be the guy? So there's loads, there's loads that could happen between now and whenever, uh, Spain. I, I hope they don't mess about with it. I hope they do it. Spain this year. I hope they do take Taporia uh, there. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised. I personally wouldn't be surprised if it's the winner of this weekend or Max Holloway that is uh, is across from Ilya Taporia. And not Volk. And not and Volk. Not, but because I think I, th- I think Volk will be offered it. I just hope that he's... I hope he comes out and he says, I'm taking six months off. Don't call me for six months. See you in a bit. Six months off is, se- is August, September. And Holloway oh, oh, which or August, September, is he? Say again, sorry. I said if they do Spain, and I, I think I think they will do Spain. It's going to be August or September at the earliest. Yeah, I agree. Spain. Well, that's I six months. September. Well, that's it. That's seven months. Yeah, but he's got to get back. I'm, to, I'm talking. I'm talking six months with no training, no nothing, no okay. just clear off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go and be a different guy. Go and yeah, your different and then guy. at the end yeah. of the year, listen. Tapuria does his his Spain thing in August, September. He can come back in December. Right, go on then. We want you to headline the final show of the year in Vegas, Ilya. Can you come back over here? Yeah, no bother. Volk. Uh, you're doing the rematch with Volk. Yeah, that, that, listen, I think the, the winner this weekend is obviously going to pick up that microphone and is going to wrap it out. You know, I, I personally think it'll be Yair, uh, but we'll come on to that on Thursday. But I think that's a, a massive sell, but especially with Yair being a Mexican, a Spanish speaker, that would make so much sense. They get loads of eyeballs to it. <clears throat> but Volk is in a position to go, well, if you ain't doing it till September, that's seven months. I'll have three months off. If I'll slowly come back into camp. I deserve that opportunity. The difference is because it is Volk. You're right. Volk could go, Dana, hit me back in November, December. Can I have my shot in November, December? And I think he's done enough in this weight mm. division. Beating Max, beating my ear, beating Brian Ortega, all the league candidates. Volk's beat them. So I don't and think his attitude, issue going. his attitude to stepping up. He saved exactly. the company on several occasions. So therefore, exactly. absolutely. So just it. go, right, you go and chill. 
November, December, you're fighting for the featherweight title again, Volk. No warm-ups required. <clears throat> in the meantime, we're going to have a little play around with it. I, it's going to be difficult for Max because Max is in a BMF fight with Justin hmm. Gaethje. Yeah. And let's be honest, fucking anything could happen in that fight. Anything. Mate, the only thing I will need, say He's going to need a rest off that because that's going to be both, a war. Yeah, they're both going to hospital. That, that's what that's what's happening in that fight. They're both going to hospital. So, and right now, I'd say Gaethje's got the edge because he's physically a bigger specimen. So Max ain't coming off that BMF loss at lightweight and going straight into a title fight at featherweight, even though he's Max Holloway. It ain't happening. He's got to beat Justin Gaethje. And if he beats Justin Gaethje, is he going to come back down or is he going to stay at lightweight? Because there's, with all due respect, there's half a dozen real marquee names at lightweight where you can make a lot of money. And if you go into lightweight, <clears throat> you're only one weight division away of getting a rematch with Conor McGregor, which is what everybody in the sport wants. Everybody wants the Conor fight. So I don't think we see Max again if he beats Justin Gaethje not down at this weight class. And if he loses to Justin Gaethje, he ain't getting a title shot. So I think Volker's in a perfect position to go, yeah, man, let Yair or Ortega do the September in Spain. I'll do Vegas end of the year, whoever's got the belt. <laughs> yeah. Because with all due respect, as good as he is, there's another undefeated fighter in this featherweight division that is outstanding. Mosvar. Mosvar Ivlouev ain't getting a title shot anytime soon. No, he hasn't got the star power yet, mate. He's and the he's king of the Hoodie Fan Bar- Club. He's not delivering the Barrel Moments either. And he doesn't yeah. sell. You know? Mm. There's three or four guys that are going to get a shot before Mobzar. Even though Mobzar could be the guy, that could be the ultimately, that could be the toughest test for Tapora during his immediate reign. Could absolutely be Mobzar Ivlouev. But until Mobzar starts putting on a bit of a show, he ain't going to get a title shot. And I don't think any fans going to complain about that either. No, I agree. Wow. Dawning of a new era. Start, I might get on the old Duolingo like you, pal. Start learning a little bit. You know what I mean? See. Let's do UFC Ibiza. Come on. Fuck Madrid. You know. Boom. That's UFC it. Benidorm. That's the one. That's what we all... Let's all get down to Tiki Beach. Let's have a right tear up. Fucking mega. Oh, my God. Imagine it. Anyway. Imagine it. Uh, core main event was middleweights um, again loads of questions about both of these guys coming into this fight where were they at we had inactivity from Paulo Costa we had uh, Robert Whittaker who got absolutely mauled by Dricus Duplessis loads it was kind of a fight for relevance come on boys step up are you still a player at 185 I think both of them come out with credit I think both of them showed yes they are both players at 185 absolutely I thought it was incredibly close um, but Robert Whittaker, when Robert Whittaker's on and he's flowing, he's just beautiful, beautiful to watch, mate. And he didn't do it where he's tentative on the back foot, legging it around. He plants his feet at times. He's in and out. He's exchanging and he's landing fours and fives rather than ones and twos. I thought he was brilliant and thoroughly deserves getting his hand raised and uh, propelled back maybe towards a title eliminator. Mm. Yeah, it was it was such a fascinating fight. Uh, I loved every fifty or fifteen minutes of it. And I, you know, I want to start by praising Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa just looks like a man reborn. And I think any other fed, any other middleweight outside of Bobby Knuckles, maybe Izzy and and the champ, I think he probably beats at the weekend. I think he looked really good. His, his kicks were fast, was sharp. He was physically in shape. His gas tank never got found once. And that's, you know, he, he, hit the, he hit the wall, of course, but he came through it and he looked big and strong all the way through. But I just think 
there's levels to this game. And I just thought Robert Whittaker dialed in like that when he switched on like that is absolutely the man at 185 pounds. He really is. And, you know, I couldn't be a bigger fan of, of Bobby Knuckles if I tried. I thought times in this fight, you're just like me. Imagine, let's be honest. Imagine fighting Paolo Costa. Imagine standing across the cage and looking at that fucking big handsome behemoth with his secret juice and his, and you hit him. You go, bam, 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 two big shots right on the chin. And he just uh, pulls his tongues at you. There's no blood. You haven't busted his nose. You haven't cut his eye. He's like fucking mahogany. You know, you, you ain't getting a mark on him. Kick away at that front leg, you know. On comms, Bispin, that go, oh, he's kicking away that front leg. That's going to mark up in a minute. There's fucking no mark on Costa's leg. Okay, probably did hurt him. But there was no mark there. You can't put a dint in the kid. And yet, you look across the cage. You're Bobby Knuckles. You're winning the fight. You're putting in one of your best, you know, statement performances. Robert Whittaker, man, this is what I do. Put the camera on him. Your face is mangled everywhere. Your nose is bleeding. Your mouth is bleeding. Your eyes cut. And you're like, I'm winning, by the way, everyone. I'm going to mark on him, but I'm winning. And I'm like, shit, this is a damage business. But obviously, you know, you're looking at volume of strikes. Robert Whittaker was brilliant. Paulo Costa was brilliant. I just thought it was Robert Whittaker's night. I actually thought Bobby Knuckles done enough to win every round. But then when I yeah. look at my scorecard, I'm like, 30-27, that doesn't tell the story of the fight, man. Paulo Costa no. never got 30-27s. You know what I mean? He did on my card. But that's not fair on Paolo Costa because he brought it, man. It was a great fight. Yeah. And I, listen, I had the same debate. At the end of the first round when he he throws that spinning wheel kick and he absolutely has Robert yeah. all over the place. Yeah. 30 seconds earlier, seconds. the fight's over. Yeah. I think I think he wins the fight. He, he, he would have he finished it in that moment. You've got to weigh up, right? All the rat-a-tat-tat that uh, Robert Whittaker has just put in for four minutes and 40 seconds or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, before that comes in, does it outweigh? Listen, like you just said, significant, clean, effective work is what you are looking for in those moments. The most effective strike of the whole first round was uh, was Paolo Costa's uh, wheel kick, wasn't it? Mm. So, listen, I have no arguments with any um, judge going, yeah. right, Paolo Costa takes the first one. But what a response. I, I, I remember tweeting in the after the second round, I'm going, what a response from Robert Whittaker. He was done, man. He was all over. His legs were dancing all over the gaff when he sat down on that stool. He got yeah. up, composed himself, got his head back in the fridge, and he went, right, let's get back to it. Don't get it with one of them again. And he tried it. Costa's tried it on several occasions. Those kicks are fast. There's no tell on them. No. He... he it's just, it, it, honestly, the technique of the way that he throws that kick is absolutely outstanding. And for Robert Whittaker to have been clocked with one, sent all over the gaff, and then to get his composure back to avoid them yeah. for the remaining 10 minutes and still then put it back on Paolo Costa, I thought it was fantastic. The, 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 the 10 minutes after the wheel kick, in particular, were brilliant from Robert Whittaker. It was just it was, it, having a real strong game plan and sticking to it. Kicking away at that front leg of Paolo Costa so he can't weigh in and, and load up his heavy punches and avoiding that kicking game. I, I thought that was the best kicking game we've seen from Paolo Costa. I know people talk yeah. about his kicks a lot, but I've never seen him throw that much very kicks, thigh kicks, body kicks, head kicks, mixing it up, at, spinning at heel speed. kicks, as you say, That's super fast. fast. You know, and, and, and as you say, there's no skip, there's no tell. It's all just from the hips, it's all just speed straight away. Really well masked behind his boxing. Again, I feel for Paolo Costa. I think this is one of his best performances in a long time. It just yeah. so happened <clears throat> he ran into Robert Whitaker, who people were going, 
Oh, Robert Whitaker done. The way he folded, the way he got done by Drickus, we were all a bit like, hey, that wasn't supposed to happen. Drickus supposed to finally get to a level he can't live at. He wasn't supposed to run through Robert Whitaker like that. And I don't know whether that's inspired Robert Whitaker to go away and go. Because he, he maintains he, ne- he never had the <clears throat> the camp, the focus that he should have had for Drickus that, that he should have had. Well, he had it here. So when Robert Whitaker's dialed in, when he's switched on, when he's done the proper, when he's done it all properly, this is what you get. And this version of Robert Whitaker, I want to see him fight Drickus, not the Same. version that folded when Drickus hit him with a couple Mate, of white hands. I want this version of Robert to get his opportunity to get one back on Izzy. Mm-hmm. Because listen, I've no doubt he was dialed in for the Izzy ones, and maybe Izzy was the kryptonite, but he's got better. There's no doubt. During the during the time of fighting Israel Adesanya, he was burnt out. He was the champ, wasn't he? And he was doing it too often. And he's spoken about this. He has realigned a lot of things. He has gone away. He's, he's completely changed his life outside the octagon and the way that he approaches fights. I think it's mad that we've watched Robert Whittaker be beaten off Israel Adesanya. We've watched him get mauled by Drickers Duplessis. And I could still sit here and go, that guy will be champion again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I genuinely believe, I watched that guy at the weekend and go, he can still be champion. Um, and like you say, it all comes down to his mentality of being absolutely zoned in because when he is, he is brilliant to watch. Um, yeah. Sean Strickland eliminated, would you say, for a Robert Whittaker? And 100%. Maybe... If, if not, um, if if Israel's coming back, obviously I, th- I put Israel straight in with Drickus. If he's not coming back, I think Whittaker versus Drickus rematch for me makes more sense than Strickland versus Drickus rematch, weirdly. But maybe that's because I'm a Bobby Knuckles fan. Maybe that's because I'm a a Robert Whittaker fan more than I am a Sean Strickland fan. What about Paolo? Hamzat? Well, if if Hamzat needs a ranked guy, Hamzat needs someone in the top five before we can seriously consider him as a title contender in this middleweight division. So I would absolutely see Hamzat or maybe even a, you know, Cannonier, somebody like that for Costa. Yeah. Do you know something? We will find out a lot about Hamza if he fought Paolo Costa. Absolutely, we would. You better believe it, because Costa's massive. And he's good. Very, very yeah. good. He I'm might tough. Hamza might tough. try to he ain't picking he ain't picking that motherfucker up in the first five minutes and no, ragdolling him around the around, around the octagon. Let's see what Hamza's all about. Yeah. And he he, he can't mark Costa. You can't bust them up. You know, he's a big old lump. Robert Whitaker teed off on him to bits here and he didn't even fucking bust his lip. Luke Rockhold had a goal, though, didn't they? There were a bit of clarity in that fight between him and... Yeah, uh, but again, I, I was ringside in that fight and that was... That... that bit, again, I, I come away going, oh, Paolo Costa, man, he doesn't look like... But I keep forgetting about the fact that it was fucking at altitude and the two of them were dead on the feet after one round. Mm. As Paolo Costa proved at the weekend, man, when he when he, when it's not about when he's on then, yeah, he yeah. can fight. Yeah, how do you think he and Gary got on last week? I'm talking the whole um, week, like fight week, yeah. and obviously into the fight. I, listen, it was never going to be the best week of his career. It was never going to be his favorite week, and it's a week that he'll won't fondly, certainly won't fondly look back on. <clears throat> but it's done now. It's done. The box has been ticked. You've done it all. You've moved on. Let's keep moving forward. And that's the most important thing. It's out the way. Um, and he's he's a guy further than him up in the rankings. I thought the the 
The performance all week was very controlled. Outside the octagon, inside the octagon, he fights the type, he fights to a specific game plan. Very brave, very composed of him. Because Ian Gary doesn't want to go in there and and dance around an opponent for 15 minutes and prep him with shots. Ian Gary wants to finish people. He's a finisher. But when your opponent hits as hard as Jeff Neal, it makes sense to not give him that opportunity. Was it the best win of Ian's career, even though it's the highest-ranked opponents? No, absolutely not. But was it an intelligence performance? Did it show us a new headspace in the Ian Gary world? Yeah, maybe it did. Maybe it showed us that he can. has got the intelligence to rise above certain situations and control it by stifling the action a little bit. Yeah. I think the whole week, I thought he dealt with the week really well. Obviously, he's navigated a fight well. He's got on the microphone. He's called out the right guy. It's just missing the signature moment. It's missing the viral moment. That's all yeah. it's missing. People will have obviously tuned in for that fight because they're wanting Jeff Neal to knock him out. The majority of the fan base, it seemed, when I was checking on social media, um, and they'll well, come away they, going, Ugh. all the all the fan base inside the arena because they kept on having to mute yeah. the microphones and yeah. the commentary team to drown yeah. out what the fans were chanting inside the arena, wow. <laughs> which is insane. Absolutely, I've yeah. never known a UFC need to do that before. Yeah, to mute microphones so you can't hear what the fans are chanting. Yeah, crazy man. Um, I, I, I listen. He, he gets a B plus, doesn't he? He just didn't. He just didn't get the rubber stamp. He didn't get the viral moment. He didn't get that that thing that where people go, "Oh, fucking hell, he's a problem." This dude. Yeah. Um, because I still think a lot of people will look at that and go, "Yeah, I could get to him. I could. I could probably get to him because it was a safety first type of performance, wasn't it?" From uh, from Ian. Yeah. Navigate <clears throat> navigates it, comes through, calls out Colby Covington. Be interesting to see if Colby Covington takes it. He won't. Absolutely not. Because what, what does Ian Gary do for Colby Covington? Potentially makes him the hero in the eyes of American fans rather than the heel. Is that kind of thing appealing to Colby Covington? Maybe it is. Maybe Colby would go, yeah, quite be quite nice to go in there and have everybody cheer for me and boo for the other guy. It's low-hanging fruit for him. But, you know, Ian Gary is probably going to get lifted to number eight in the division right now. Colby was quite happy to sit on the fence for fucking two years just waiting for his title shot. And I think you lose to Ian Gary, you're done. You're basically retired. So as much as I would like to see that fight, and I think it's the right fight for Ian Gary, I can't see it. I can't see Colby Covington even entertaining the thought of it. So mm. then what do you do with Ian Gary? Who do you match him with? And more importantly, where do you put him? Because a performance like that doesn't win over the fans and get them to stop baiting you and chatting shit and joining the trash talk. And listening to people like Colby and like Sean Strickland and like so many others, you know, there's I've seen even there was a couple of female fighters from the UFC roster that were like, yeah, we're all team Jeff Neal, aren't we? And all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, wow, man, this is fucking insane how the entire industry is turned on Ian Gary. So where do you position him? How do you bring him back? Do you bring him back at UFC Manchester, which is being muted for the summer? Do you think bring him back over this side of the Atlantic? Or or if that's going to be headlined by, let's say, Leon Edwards, does that make it worse? Because Ian's made so many enemies yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah. certain things that if the Birmingham crew turn up in support of Leon Edwards in the main event, then Ian's going to get booed by British fans who are pro-Leon Edwards because 
there's fires in various places where you've got to be careful where you're taking him next. I think he could end up in Brazil. I think they could take him out and rehabilitate him in Brazil. He was speaking all Brazilian at the weekend, all his media stuff. His corner team was speaking to him in Brazilian. He's obviously mm. fluent in, in Portuguese right 301, now. 301 is Brazil. 301. Is that what you do with Ian Gary? Because you ain't getting Colby to Brazil. That's a fact. <laughs> he ain't going back to Brazil after what he did last time, mate. There's no chance. But there's a potential fight there with Vincente Luque. That could happen in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, on a scale of um, zero to Cheeky Bastard, where was uh, Mir Abdirashvili when he picked up Henry Cejudo and carried him like a child across the octagon? To show him off to uh, to his new friend. Mate, the, the minute the minute he picked him up and started walking with him, I went, "You cheeky bastard! That's Henry Cejudo. You're doing that to you. That is naughty." Look, come over here. Meet my friend Mark Zuckerberg. What the fuck are you doing, mate? Cheeky come. Absolutely rude. Funny. Don't get me wrong. I was laughing my bollocks off when it was happening, but I'm thinking that is that is naughty. He did it. He did it twice, though, didn't he? He did it in the previous round when he had the the front head choke on, and he was just and chatting he was away kissing him, and, kissing and him on the top of his head. I'm like, Wait, what, Mirab? What are you doing? <laughs> just like, <laughs> just do, mate. We are living in Mirab's world. Yeah, don't absolutely. even try. Don't even try and comprehend Mirab. He just does what the hell he wants, doesn't he? Yeah. What a guy. He's fucking. I love him. He owns social media. He's the biggest social media star in the sport right now. <clears throat> and just everything he touches is just fucking hilarious. Did you see that? Uh, he did. He did someone's podcast. Not not a, necessarily a, a high profile podcast. But he was on a podcast last week, and they were talking about uh, sex. I think. I think it was Mike Perry on it. They were talking about sex during fight week. Right. And, uh, and they were saying to Mike Perry, you know, should you do it? And blah, blah, blah. And Mike Perry was like, I absolutely do it. But, you know, I just stop. I just withdraw. Does not don't, ejaculate. Don't, do not ejaculate was what he was instigating. And then he went, what about you, me, Rab? And he was like, me, Rab was like, I busted a nut last night. <laughs> like, fucking tremendous. It's fucking rather than me, Rab was like, well, too late for that. I did it last night. <laughs> Mate, he's just everything about him. I love him. I absolutely love him. And again, you know, again, we're we're such a we're in such a fortunate position. We know that. You guys know that you've seen us and listened to us before. We've had some funny interactions with Mirab over the years oh, in mate. and around various okay. locations with various other people involved. He's a fucking absolute superstar. But what you see, that's who Mirab is. He yeah. is larger than life. He is a massive personality. He is some kind of Georgian sex symbol, and he does live the life of a superstar. Of a Georgian sex symbol. <laughs> he, that's the life he lives. Fucking mental. And, by the way, for me, he's the best bantamweight walk on planet Earth. He's a monster. Ooh. He's an absolute monster. Henry Ciudo turned up on Saturday night. Henry Ciudo, in round, I give the first round to Henry. I was like, he okay. Won it. He won the first round. Now we've got to fight. What are you going to do, me, Rab? Because Henry Ciudo has turned up. And Henry Ciudo is motivated. So what are you going to do? Because apparently you can't wrestle him. But what you do is wrestle. So what are you going to do, Mirab? And Mirab just went, okay, watch Mirab be Mirab. Watch me go, as Bispin said, watch me go full Mirab, which is 
pressure, front foot, punches, trips, takedowns, grinding, back up, down you go, up there, slam, slam, bing. That's me, Rab. It's just relentless, relentless, relentless pressure. His cardio is insane. I would love, you know, I almost said TNT then, but maybe ESPN with a bit of a budget. Get me, Rab, in a science lab, fight week, and just test his oxygen blood level tech. What is it about that guy that allows him to fight at the pace that he does without it hitting a wall? And then the more he fights, the more he puts out, the faster he goes, the higher the tempo, the more he enjoys it. That's when he starts talking and laughing and singing and kissing people. And, hey, 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 Mark Zuckerberg, hey, hey, what's, I'll go and get him for you. I'll bring him over. He's, he's enjoying himself. He's enjoying himself in the moments where most fighters would be hitting the wall, trying to overcome this, this you know, the pressure, the moment. He's like fucking getting better and better and better. Over five rounds, Mirab is the scariest man in the UFC. Yeah, title shot next. Has to get the winner of uh, Sean O'Malley and Cheeto. There's no doubt about that. Mirab is ready, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just a, a note on Henry. Um, obviously, love Henry. Equally as crazy as a character. And he's been fantastic. Uh, during my time covering the UFC. I've I've absolutely loved having conversations with him. If this is the last time, and it it might it may well could be that we see him in a, in a UFC octagon. Just let's not forget what that dude did. Yeah, he ended the run, ended the run of Demetrius Johnson. He saved a division. That division was getting binned. He yep. saved it, breathed new life into that. Then he steps up in weight and enters the champ champ club. Very difficult to do. I just, and I said this to you yesterday, didn't I? I wonder if he's going to kick himself for taking three years out because he was at the peak of his powers, man. He was flying. And then he decided, right, I'm off for three years. And then when he comes back, don't get me wrong, uh, in the fight that he has when he does come back, he thought it was timing. He maybe crashed the weight a little bit, but he still was competitive uh, in his comeback fight when he challenged for the, uh, the championship. And even at the weekend, he takes the first round off Mirab. Still there, isn't he? 36, 37 years of age, he's still there. It's yeah. just when you lose a contender's fight at this stage of life and, and career, it's a, it is quite a way back, especially when there's a lot of um, sharks in that sea at bantamweight. Yeah, he's been so good for this sport. He's been unbelievable. He's been awesome. First Olympic gold medalist to win in, in the men's first Olympic gold medalist to win a UFC title. And he's been nothing but sensational you know he's been a real asset to the ufc and to mixed martial arts in general and um it is it's hard man it's like with volk it's hard to see these guys go old these superstars and and suddenly it's just not there it just just wasn't there in the third round when mirab went through the gears in round two henry didn't have a response in round three and listen they picked up an incomes but his arm his left arm looked like it was broken he had a fucking massive big Dinton has left arm, and of course that's going to impact, and of course that might as well have stopped Henry from having a a, a push in the third round to try and pick because him. he wobbles him, he wobbles him with that left hand in the first round, doesn't he? That's right. But these are all. Is that not part of getting old, though? If you did break your arm, bust your arm, is that not part of? Shouldn't really be doing this at 36, 37 years of age. Maybe Father Time is ticking on the, but maybe that's why you need a time away. Guy, he's probably been wrestling since he was in nappies. 
And he continues wrestling at that calibre in the build-up to become an Olympic gold medalist. Then he trades in the wrestling match for MMA and starts a career in MMA. And he gets to the point where he's a two-weight UFC champion, one of the greatest that's ever done it. I'm not surprised that he went, I'm going to have some time off. Because <laughs> I've been well, doing he, this. Yeah, he went off to start a family, didn't talk. he? Yeah, I've yeah. been doing this before I could talk. I need to be something else. I need to define myself with something else. So you can't discredit him for doing that. But you're right. Was that the window to push for a third weight division? Was it a case of, right, I beat Dominic Cruz now. Just give me one shot of featherweight and then I'm done. I think instead he thought, right, I'll go away, start a family, be something else, get that hunger back, coach. And then when I come back, I can pick up where I left off. It ain't that easy, man. The sport no. moves so quickly. It so just fast. ain't that easy. It ain't that easy. Even the great Henry Ciudo has been unable to turn it around. And now, fighters like me, Rab, have just, unfortunately for Henry, have completely overtaken. Do you think, do you think he calls it? Do you think he calls it? Wouldn't surprise me if he did. I, you know, I, I would love to see him come back and have a little go of featherweight, but that's just me being, being being silly, really. You know, it's there's nothing else left for Henry Ciudo to prove at all. No, it's agree. Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer. I agree. Uh, I said on the um, TNT show with you and Bisping yesterday that Kopolov, uh, or should I say Hernandez, blew my acker. Mate, I had a world day at the weekend, mate. And I know that people will say, well, there were loads of betting favourites that won fights. Yeah, but Tapuria wasn't a betting favourite. Backed him. Mm-hmm. And even method of victories. Mate, I was on for some dope. But it was all irrelevant because yeah. the first, uh, I said the first fight, I had Amanda Lemos in there as well. I had Roman Kopolov to win. When that fight started, I thought, looking good, man. Good strikes, good body kick. Come on, Roman. Come on, son. Go and do the business. But Anthony Hernandez was like a, a bigger version of Mirab. He's just yeah. relentless, isn't he? Yeah. Pressure, sensational grappling skills, as we all know. But I actually thought he looked all right on the feet with the hands as well. It's just the pressure consistently in your face, making you work. You've got to go at my pace, pal. If you can't go at my pace, I'm going to get you. And that is kind of what ultimately led to the downfall of Roman Kopolov. What a fantastic performance from Anthony Hernandez announcing himself as a, as a proper player in this division. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm like you. I was, I'm was i a massive Kopolov fan, and I was telling everyone last week who was talking about tuning in and asking me the times, and I was like, when you, if you're watching it, obviously everyone wanted to watch Volkanovski, but I was like, Tafor is the guy, be careful. Um, but I was like, if you're watching it, make sure you tune in time to see Roman Kopolov, because... You know, Shavkat's my guy. Shavkat will be welterweight champion one day, but Roman Kopolov is on that journey and he's ticking boxes and he's in a position now where he's got his, his, his wrestling takedown defense to the point where it needs to be to show, to show what he's got. And that's his incredible kickboxing, his credible striking. And even during the commentary, I think John Anik was like, that's 20 consecutive takedown, successful takedown defenses for Roman Kopolov in his yeah. last few fights. And then Eventually got a takedown at Nicolandez at the end of the first round. He said, that's his first successful takedown in 11 attempts. And yeah. I was like, yeah, man, because Kopolov's fucking the guy. That's why. The, it was first time he got his hands together, wasn't it? First time he managed to lock his hands. Down. And then what happened in round two is Kopolov's just got that little bit more fatigue in there now. So what's natural is the kickboxing, the striking. What's still unnatural is the wrestling, the anti-wrestling, the takedown defense, everything else. That's still a working process. When you start fatiguing, that's when you start making mistakes. And that's when Anthony Hernandez 
who, like a dog with a bone, was like, I'm fucking taking you down, and I'm going to keep going until I do it. And eventually when he did it, he's able to take the back. He's able to work into positions. There was once or twice Roman very gamely fought off some serious re-naked Brilliant. He thought he got out of one on that side and was like, wow, he survived. And then I blinked, and it was on this side. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And it was even deeper. I was like, yeah. oh, for fuck's sake. Fluffy Hernandez, man. He, he's Good. If Kopolov's going to be a future title contender, you've got to say Fluffy Hernandez is going to be a t- future title contender as well. Both coming from two different, completely different angles. Yeah, really good performance. And congratulations to the Welsh gangster, Auburn Elliott, on the oh, prelims. Mega. Yeah, man. Sensational stuff. What did you make of Lemos versus Mackenzie Dane? You said you had it in your Aka. So you obviously predicted a win for Amanda Lemos, but... Yeah. It was a good fight. It was three, Mate, you know, Mackenzie um, Dane Mackenzie, played her part. It was fight of the night. She did. She did. And... She's still raw striking, is Mackenzie Dane. We know that she's a fantastic grappler. We know that. And if it, it's the mat, then you back Mackenzie Dane to be getting in there. But I've watched Amanda Lemos in, enough now to know full well that she's got good takedown defence. She's good at keeping the fight where she wants the fight to be. And when it comes to striking, there's not many better than her, mate, in, in, in these divisions. She's a very good striker. I thought it was a competitive fight, but the rawness, the raggedness of Mackenzie Dern was there for all to see. And I thought uh, Amanda Lemos picked it off. I, I Listen, I know that I had a betting interest in the fight, backing Amanda Lemos to win the fight. But even if I didn't, I would still say that she won that 29-28. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like Mackenzie Dane. It's not just because, obviously, yeah. she's, got, she's got the best bum in the sport, but I think <laughs> she's got so much talent. And she's obviously 100% committed to this game. I just think, like, a striker, a striking stalled for me. Yeah. You know, it hasn't... It, I thought it would be progressing to the next level by now. She's still throwing strikes with her chin up in the air. And she's going the distance and she's in these fight of the nights because she's got that one thing you can't teach, and that's grit. She's tough, man. She's game as anything. But she's got to refine her technique to ever get to where she wants to be. She wants to be a UFC strawweight champion. And she's got some fundamentals that would get her there. But there's still a hole in her game. It's hard for the women especially because UFC opportunities tend to come with women sooner than they do with men, purely based on you know the number of female yeah. fighters out yeah. there in the world, of course. So you are going to lose some and win some. But at this stage of her career, you know she's, she's, come, she's had quite a few fights in the UFC now. I need to see the next evolution of Mackenzie Dane. And I don't think we're quite there yet. Every time I see Mackenzie Dane, I'm like, right, okay, sound, who's she facing? Facing a heavy-handed striker, well, she's going to lose them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I need to get to the point where Mackenzie Dane is more competent with her hands, more importantly, more protective of her chin. Can't fight like this in the UFC, man. Not at this level. You really can't. So there's work to be done there. She's running out of time, though. Yeah. You know, she's running out of time. Yes. Uh, like I said, well done to the Welsh gangster. Great debut, mate. Up and running. I know you had a little bit of a wobble in the first round. I'll put that down to nerves and maybe just take your head off it. And as well as that, yeah, and as well as that, uh, Val Woodburn, um, an opportunity for him uh, to to let that power go. And he did in that first round, but I thought uh, the Welsh gangster did what he needed to do. And he, uh, he navigated it well. And fingers crossed we can get him back on British soil uh, at some point this year. Yeah. Um, Shout out as well to Junior Tapper. 
for stepping in for their kid oh, who, uh, who wasn't able to make weight. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> it was stepping in. On that, wasn't it? Proper playground, right? My brother's not fighting you. I'm fighting you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was it was mental. Justin Tafford unable to get on the scales. So Junior Tafford, his brother, who was part of his team, obviously went. Go ahead, I'll fight. I'll fight my uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima. And I think five, not even five minutes, sixty seconds into that fight. I think his brother was sitting ringside going, thank fuck, that's not me in there. Because Rogerio lost, de Lima's thought, leg kicks I thought, were... I thought he lost his leg at one point. I thought, he's not coming out for round two. He's just had so, the shit beaten out of that front mate. leg. Rogerio, Marcos Rogerio de Lima comes out. Looks like our job. Looks like our job from the old James Bond movies. Just a fucking big, bald-headed tank. He's got legs about this big. Junior Taffer's stepped in with his beautiful tash, you know. Fucking 24 hours notice. Yeah, man, let's have a knock. Come on. And this fucking big gorilla of a Brazilian just starts kicking away at his front leg. And every kick, I swear to God, every kick were brewing down a fucking oak tree. It was horrible. Absolutely horror. In the end, I was like, Junior, man, just, just lay down. If you lay down, he can't kick your leg. The problem with Junior Taffer is he wouldn't switch either. He wouldn't switch the southpaw to protect the leg. He kept on going back. And I'm like, Switch stances, do anything. Don't give him that. Because every time he, he, he sets a stance again to throw a right out, boom. Oh, he would just kick away at that leg. It was horrible. It was horrible. Ugh. I hope he got um, paid. Yeah, I'm sure he did, mate. I'm sure he did. Uh, Vandalay Silva is going into the Hall of Fame. Now, right? I know that I know that obviously you're a huge fan and he's inspired your love of this particular sport. But I was going to kick off. But then I did a bit of delving that he's being inducted into the pioneer wing of the Hall of, of Fame. So I'm going to take a step back and go, okay, you can have that. The reason why I am I was going to kick off is because I've had this beam my bonnet about Vandalay Silva and the re relationship with the UFC. Now, people might have a different take on this, but here's my take on it. Vandalay Silva was at his best in pride. Of course. Right? That's when he was at his best. And everybody loved Vandalay Silva in pride. But if you look at that record in the UFC... It ain't that good. Let's be dead honest with ourselves, Kitty Winks. Yes, he's at the forefront. He's a pioneer. That's why I'm okay with him going into the Hall of Fame as a pioneer. But if you look at his overall record in the UFC, he's five and seven in the UFC. Yes, he's fought some top dudes in there. All right. But never became a champion. Lost title fights. Lost the big ones. All oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, he had a couple of early day ones, did he? Yeah, he did have a couple of yeah, he had a nine fight he had a nine fight streak, if you remember, and he was uh four and five in the nine fight streak. Yeah. And then early doors, his first fights against Vita Belfort, if you remember that one. That's, That's right. way back, 1998 or something, it is. He gets yeah. beat off Vita Belfort. He then gets given who Pizarra. Tony, Tony, Tony Pizarra. He beats Tony Pizarra, and then he comes back for Tito, which is the light heavyweight fight. Yeah? yeah. And he loses that light heavyweight fight as well. And then he's back for his nine fight streak. So in total, then he, goes, then he goes to Pride and goes undefeated in about fucking yeah, about twenty fights. fights. Yeah, mad, smashing. Mad. Yeah, in with fucking Crocop and Rampage and everybody. Oh, That's when he defines his legacy. That's when he becomes Vandalay. That's when he becomes Vandalay. Yeah. So in, in the Pride, UFC by Pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Pride, he's Van. That's Vandalay. That's Axe Murderer. That's all this type of nonsense. That's where he is. In the UFC, I'm like, mm, come on. But because you're putting him in the pioneer wing, I've got to take my hat off. Yeah, 
you were absolutely pioneer. You inspired a shitload of fighters. And as well as that, you brought a lot of fans to the game as well. So congratulations, Vandalay Silver, on your induction to the pioneer wing of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think I think the you have to remember the pioneering, even though it's a UFC Hall of Fame, it, it, it does pay homage more to MMA in it. It's more who MMA. built the sport, who brought yes. the eyeballs to the sport. And when I first came over to MMA, I knew who obviously Vandalay was and had seen his highlights and seen the pride stuff. And then when I became an MMA journalist and got engrossed in this game, um, I quickly discovered that Vandalay was Vandalay was a, an absolute superstar, you know, and, and, and absolutely a pioneer. And part of the reason why mixed martial arts is the sport and is the brand it is today is the early work put in by Vandalay Silva, specifically in Pride. But even that UFC run where he went four and five or whatever you just said, that nine fight run at the end. Every single one of them shows that he was on all them big pay-per-view events or whatever that he was on. He was the fucking guy. He was the main, he was the attraction. No matter who was on the card, Even against people Chuck. are paying money. People are paying money to see Vandalay Silva. People are paying money because Vandalay yeah, okay. Silva ain't in Brazil, he ain't in Japan. He's here in America. He's here in Germany. He's in Sydney, Australia. He's in fucking Brazil. He's going back to Japan. That's what the UFC used him for, right? You know Vandalay's icon. We know he's not the same fighter he once was, but we're bringing him to your hometown to spread the good gospel of mixed martial arts okay. and UFC. Right. And Pioneer. That's he's going to Pioneer. Bingo. Exactly. Right. So, and, and as you know, I had many a nice Brazilian dinner with uh, with Vandalay in Vegas in my early days going over to cover the UFC. So he will always be a very close fighter to my heart for that reason, if nothing else. And by the way, listen... If you are a relative newcomer to the UFC, and listen, you've got as much right to be as anybody else. We love fans. The more the merrier. Tell your friends. It's the best sport on the planet. And you haven't seen Vandalay fight. And you're thinking, listen, I'll go on YouTube. I'll search Pride. I'll look at their Rampage fights and the Crow Cop fights and all this. I've got an easier way. Go to UFC Fight Pass. Search Vandalay Silver. Watch Vandalay Silver versus Brian Stan in yeah. the Saitama Super Arena in Japan. In the UFC, it was one of the fights that Vandalay yeah. won because was it his Brian last one? Stan. Uh, no, it wasn't it was. his last one. It was near. It was near the end, wasn't it? It was yeah, near it the was, end. It, it might be his last, last one. one. Yeah, yeah. After that, it was he had a couple of Bellator fights, but his last one in the UFC was Brian Stan, and they said, "Right, we're taking Vandalay back to Japan, back to Pride days. This is going to be his last <laughs> ever fight in the UFC, and we're bringing in Brian Stan. And Brian Stan, being the fucking stud that he is, went right. Well, I ain't gonna do anything except let Vandalay be Vandalay." And I'll try and out Vandalay, Vandalay. And the two of them just threw leather at one another for as long as it lasted. I won't spoil it. Go and watch it. One of the best fights you will ever see. It doesn't last 10 minutes. Brian Stan plays his part. Vandalay does Vandalay things. It's amazing. Yeah. Then go and watch his fight with Chuck, which is the yeah. first of that nine-fight streak, which is brilliant. There you go. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, UFC 300 main event has been, uh, has been announced now. Um, again, throwing a video up on our YouTube channel. Just want to get your reaction to it, mate, because uh, it is going to be Alex Pereira defending his light heavyweight crown against the former champion, Jamal Hill. Dana announced this in the immediate aftermath of USC 298. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, finally. <laughs> you can stop talking about it now. We have a main event. Is it the main event we all kind of fantasized about, dreamed of? Is it the main, you know, the... 
the one that we expected it be to for UFC 300? No, not personally. Is it a fight that makes sense? 100%. Is it a fight that I want to see? Absolutely. Is it Connor? No. Is it some crossover with Islam and Leon Edwards? No. Does it bring in star power, though? I absolutely does. I'm a fascinated by it, 100%. I think there's a good, strong narrative here. Jamal Hill was the man. And Jamal Hill did not lose the belt inside the octagon. He gave it up because of injury. In the meantime, Alex Bahia lost his middleweight belt, moved up to light heavyweight, and picked up the belt that Jamal Hill had left behind. So it absolutely makes sense. I think it's a fantastic fight on a fantastic card. I don't know what the fuck people are moaning for. I think UFC 300 is brilliant. Mate, it's awesome. When you've got Cody Garbrandt and Davidson Figueredo being the first fight of the night, two former world champions that could that are coming off win streaks that could be next in line for a title shot, you know that you're in for a good night. I, do you know something? I was thinking about this yesterday. I made the video, and uh, as I was making the video, I was thinking about it. Check... We, we, there is a backlash, right? Because fans obviously got themselves giddy. They all got excited. Connor Chandler, Jones. that's got to be the main event. John Jones, we obviously heard from Tom Aspinall saying that he was offered Stipe. Israel Adesanya went on social media with the 300. Everybody thought that it's going to be Izzy's return. You've then got Brock Lesnar's going to come back. You've got George St. Pierre. You've got, you've got Ronda, all these types of things. So fans got carried away. And we were a part of that. Of course, we were all giddy. We are all getting in there and we were all dreaming about what UFC 300's main event could be. But check this out. If UFC would have done this, the card is the card as it is right now, right? So every fight that we've got booked, that is UFC 300. But imagine if the weekend's announcement would have been the announcement of Justin Gaethje and Max Holloway. If that one wouldn't have already have come out. So yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. announced everything. Just, just he's check an... yourself. <laughs> Look at the rest of the card already. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm saying is he's announced everything. There you go. He's announced everything. It's there. We've got you've got Jingwei Li and Yan Zhao now. There's a title fight. We've already announced yeah. Alex Pereira and Jamal Hill. It's already on there. There's your title fights. Right, guys. We've, we've had a look around. This is what we're going to go with for the men event. We've decided that we're going to bring the BMF title back out and we're going to do Justin Gaethje and Max Holloway. I honestly believe that the reaction from fans then would have been, fucking hell, wow. Rather than, you've already you've already been told about that, so you've already got that information. Yeah. And then you've kind of been given what many fans would class as the core main event. Yeah. As the main event. I think it's a brilliant fight. I think the card's yeah. brilliant. I don't give a shit what order these fights are in. I'm going to be sat there from start to finish watching every single one of them. I think they're absolutely outstanding. I made a point in the video about star power. Is the star power there? Maybe not for the Western world because you got carried away, as I did, thinking Leon, who got offered three fights. I'll talk about that in one second. Tom, Connor, John John, all these characters not being a part of it. But when you actually take a step back and you have a look at that card, it's one of the greatest cards that they've ever put together. There was disappointment at UFC 200 because John Jones was supposed to be fighting DC. Mm -hmm. That fell off, didn't it? And we ended up getting Anderson Silva in there with DC. And it was kind of a damp yeah. squib because DC wrestled his ass off for, for the majority of the fight. Yeah, It is a phenomenal card. Sensational. When has Charles Oliveira ever been in a shit fight? He's fighting Armin yeah. Sarukin for fuck's sake. It's absolutely fucking killer. outstanding. you got Rakic against Perhachka. Mate, yeah. come on, man. The whole thing is absolutely outstanding. I can't wait Mate, for you've, you've got Aljamain Staler moving up to featherweight to take on fucking Calvin Cater. One of the best strikers in the division. 
you've got Cody Garbrandt and Davison Figueredo, which you've already talked about as the Caton Jaker, and you've got Kayla Harrison, the star of PFL, coming over to the UFC and taking on former champion Holly Holm. Come it's on, like, what more do you want? And, you know, obviously the people's main event, Jim Miller versus Bobby Green. <laughs> UFC 300 is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I'd say the, the, the problem is you... Because the rumours and the talk and the chat is so high, yeah, yeah. when they come up with a main event, that just makes sense. Rather than it being a, you know, I wouldn't say a freak show, but a crossover main event. When it just Star makes power. sense. It makes sense. The thing Martin is, though. Alex Perheer makes yeah. sense. It, oh, mate, it's, it's fantastic. And the thing is, the problem with this for a lot of fight fans, if you look at Alex Pereira, because he doesn't speak English, and he's got this stoic face. You haven't connected with the personality as of yet, have you? You haven't connect, connected with him. Just take that to one side and look at what he's done fighting. Yeah. He's a two-weight world champion in two years. Mad. Yeah. Utter madness what that guy is doing. He could, he could go up to heavyweight and attempt to become a three-weight world champion. It's he's a, he re, Inside the octagon, he is a superstar. You might not connect yeah. it with the personality as of yet because you don't speak his lingo. I get that. But inside the octagon, he's absolutely outrageous. And what Jamal Hill did in a very short short period of time. The narrative of, you've mentioned this on the TNT show, I've beaten the, the chief, I've beaten the master. Now I'm going to go and have a go at the prodigy to go and get my belt back. I think it's a great fight. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Um. What did you think about? Because the, the interesting thing coming out of it is that Jamal Hill has subsequently done an interview and said, yeah, I, I agreed to this on Friday. So we did go right to the wire with UFC 300 and there was yeah. obviously a lot of exhausted avenues that they went down. Tom Aspinall yeah. accepting numerous fights at heavyweight. John Jones having to distance himself. Is um, uh, the both Hamza Chumayev coming out and distancing himself. Islam Makhachev coming out having to distance himself from it. So there was obviously a lot of phone calls. A lot of fighters were contacted and were offered fights more than anybody else. Our own Leon Edwards, who accepted three different opponents to yeah. be the main event at UFC 300. And yet, evidently, we seem to be led to believe none of them were Bilal Muhammad, or UFC at least flip-flopped on a Bilal Muhammad, maybe? Yeah, I think it's the latter, mate. I think, again, there's going to be loads of spitballing around this. I had a, I've had a few conversations over the last 24 hours. The uh, Hamzat Chumayev thing was real. They wanted yeah. to do Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Chumayev, but Hamzat came out and said, listen, man, Ramadan, there's no way I'm going to be ready for April uh, 13th. Got to respect that. Uh, Israel... Uh, Islam. Islam Makachev, sorry. Was same not a, Same conversation, not officially, not an official, what do you reckon? It was muted. It was, the conversation was there. And again, Islam Makachev had already kind of ruled himself out of that situation because, listen, lads, you know what I mean? I'm ready to go before Ramadan. I'm ready to go after Ramadan. But whilst you're landing it right in the middle or just on the edge, I can't yeah. do that. You know you know my, my situation. Uh, so that was muted. Bilal was, uh, listen, they've obviously had the conversation with Leon about Bilal. Leon said, yeah. He said yes to Bilal. He said yes to Hamza. That's, by the way, he said yes to Hamza now four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said yes to Islam Makachev. He said yes to anything. Anything that's been put in front of him, he said yes to. The Bilal situation is more of a UFC saying, I don't know if that's a main event for UFC 300. Yeah. And that's down um, to Bilal and his star power. 
let's be honest. Yeah, of course. Of course it is. They've gone to Leon and said, these are the, what do you reckon of this? What do you reckon of this? What do you reckon of this? He's gone, don't care. Yep, yep, Whatever, yep. man. Any single one of them, no problem whatsoever. The one that they were keen on the most was Hamza. Hamza not available. So then they obviously explored other avenues. We know that they've explored an avenue of Stipe Miocic and Tom Aspinall. Stipe Miocic didn't want to do it. So that's not necessarily the one to go. The UFC wants to do Conor McGregor. They want to do Michael Chandler. They made fucking tough for crying out loud. They want yeah. to do it. There's other things and other factors at play that are not allowing those things to materialise. Well, well Conor's living my life. Let's be honest. Conor's living the life we all want to lead. Let's there you go. Fair. He's out enjoying himself. That, that's the problem. Until Conor gets in a gym and does nothing but gym. You know, the Black Forge looks tremendous, man. Those steaks and glasses of red wine. That's a bit of me and you, that son. But then we're not supposedly getting ready for the fight. So, yeah. Too short, I, um, uh, too short of a time frame for Israel Adesanya. Hundred, but I want to do Africa. Come on, man, I'm the champion. You know, if I'm going to be fighting Israel Adesanya, I want to be doing it in oh, Africa. Yeah. So that's where it, Derikus is at. Loads of different moving parts. So going back to what you originally said about it being late, yeah, it was. They've explored a shitload of avenues, a shitload of them, and they've come to the point of Alex Pereira. I think was always in that conversation because there was talk of Alex Pereira fighting Tom Aspinall. You know, but Alex Pereira. And his team have said, well, I'm going to make we're light heavyweight kings. Let's do something at light heavyweight first. Yeah, yeah. we're light heavyweight kings at the moment. Yeah, we're going to do it at some point, but it's just too early yet. There's no point in, yeah. in just making it happen for the sake of making it happen. So Alex Pereira was always in the conversation. Uh, they were waiting on where Jamal Hill was at because he's had a serious Achilles injury. And he gave him the green light last week. And like you said, they ended up going, actually, it makes an awful lot of sense. We've got a great card. Got another great world title fight. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, I want to finish just coming away from all that and talking about one championships, John Hegarty, if I can. Is that all right? Oh, yes. Fucking hell. What a finish that was. Jesus Christ. What uh, a fight. Was, I know. I was offered them on the podcast last week and I'm gutted. Oh, I, and, and you said what? And you said what to him? You turned, mate, said, they won't come back now after you've turned yeah, him down. Exactly, yeah, after that performance, yeah. No, I was up the wall and then he was traveling and we couldn't kind of join the dots and I probably should have worked harder to make it happen, unfortunately, but obviously he delivers that performance, John. And I'm like, mate, that is absolutely outstanding. What a finish. So I'll definitely reach out and try and get him on the podcast soon. That was mega. If you haven't seen this, obviously one championship have done a deal with Sky Sports. Therefore I'm sure there's a, a watch again uh, scenario that you can go and have a little bit of a look at this, but check this out. It was uh, Friday night. Was it Friday night or Thursday night into Friday morning? Anyway, mm -hmm. back end of last week, World Championship. Felipe Lobo is the opponent, John Hegarty. Uh, honestly, it is three rounds of absolute fucking madness. If you're not too uh, switched on with Muay Thai, I've, I've spoken to a few people actually about this who are boxing fans that flirt a little bit with MMA that have started watching a bit of Muay Thai because of the Sky Sports thing. And they've gone, this is a bit more me because there's no yeah. grappling doesn't do anything on the deck or anything like that. It's the art of eight limbs. So you've got hands, feet, elbows, and knees, right? That's what you're basically playing with. And uh, John Eggett is one of the very, very best in the world. And this fight at the weekend against Felipe Lobo is just outstanding. First round. Jo Listen, John gets it put on him, man. He's a, he has to take account. He has to uh, sit on that bottom rope for a split second thinking, what the fuck is coming here? The second round is a potential for round of the year. Across mm -hmm. all fight sports, yeah. both men have success. John answers the first round early doors, and then Lobo goes, Hang on a minute, mate. No chance. Here we go. 
And then, of course, in the third round, it ends in the third round. Fuck it, I'm going to spoil it for you. He knocks him out in the third round, mate. We are it's now mega. Yeah. fucking bomb. It, it, <laughs> uh, the first round's high pace, the second round's high pace, the third round, I'm looking at it going, they've gassed each other. Look at them. They're just fucking looking at each other now. Some type of tentative chess match. And then John Egerty goes, no, nah, I'm just setting it up. Bang, little feint, over the top, wallet. Mega. Good night. That was it. What a performance. The guy's a superstar. And I know that he has plans of coming to MMA. Um, and that would be some story, man, for him to get involved. Obviously, one championship of their own uh, MMA franchise there. There's other franchises that he could probably speak to. But for him to then become a world champion in yet another discipline would just Insane. be... Mate, would that be absolutely incredible if he could do that? I don't know where he's at with his grappling. I've never spoken to him about his grappling or anything like that. But he's striking. And his chin. Fuck me, man. The dude is hard as nails. And he's very, with, very the, with the impact Alex Bahia's had on the sport oh. at the highest level or on the UFC, then all these guys, all these elite kickboxers, Muay fighters, have to be considering it. Because I don't care what you're getting paid. You ain't getting paid. But Alex is getting paid at the top of the UFC. So, yeah, man, what a performance. I'm it's actually going to go watch it. General. I'm going to go watch it. It's only, it's only fit, well, it's less than 50. Repost it. But yeah, we'll post it on our socials. Post a link on the socials. It is mental. It is mental. Mental fight. Round of the year in round number two, and then a knockout of the year contender. It's only one. <laughs> only one fight. You've got a guy hitting the deck. You've got a round of the year contender, and then the guy that hit the deck knocking the other dude out. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Go and check it out. One championship. Congratulations uh, on delivering... A great shot, and congratulations, John Hegarty. Uh, there you go. That's our uh, MMA fight sports uh, show that we've uh, thrown together for you in the wake of UFC 298. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you haven't seen any of those fights, what the bloody hell are you doing? Do you just come here for the banter or what, man? Go watch some fights and then come back and join the conversation. Uh, you can subscribe to us via uh, fightdisciples.com. All the audio feeds under the sun are there, and we're also on YouTube as well. We're trying to grow there on YouTube, so please become a part of it. We'll be back later on in the week to preview UFC Mexico. Uh, we told you about the eliminator fight between Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega, so we'll get stuck into that on Thursday of this week. All right? Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.